Welcome to Healthcare Mixtape, where we're curating the ultimate playlist of healthcare content that you may have missed the first time. Here we share bonus episodes and greatest hits from some of our favorite shows, as well as exclusive interviews with industry insiders, all focused on healthcare changemakers and the disruption of the now. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. I'm Jared Johnson, your playlist curator, and it's time to mix it up. All right, the next in our Greatest Hits playlist is an episode of Microdosing hosted by Paul Schrimpf. Many of you know Paul as a partner at Profit, a leader of their healthcare team, and one of the hosts of their Healthcare Transformers podcast. I've enjoyed following microdosing for a while now, and this episode was originally released in August of this year. In it, Paul talks about Meritive, the new brand that emerged from the ashes of Watson Health. One thing I really liked about this episode is that he gives an abbreviated history of the data companies that Watson Health acquired in the early days, followed by well-informed perspectives about their trajectory that I haven't really heard anywhere else. I appreciate that Paul tells the story in a balanced way that fills in some of the details from this highly visible and often misunderstood chapter of IBM's history. I encourage you to subscribe to Microdosing, and I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Check it out. Let the mix begin. Hi, I'm Paul Schrempf. Welcome to Microdosing, where we look at specific tangible topics, such as a product, business, or individual that represents a bigger trend in the business of healthcare. In this season, I will be revisiting my op-ed format, where I share my thoughts, observations, and opinions on things, namely on the topics related to transformation, and as it relates to mergers, acquisitions, and spinoffs, as these events come with more publicly available information on their strategic intent, as well as other common knowledge in the healthcare community. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we'll be talking about Meredith, the new healthcare data and analytics company formerly known as Watson Health. I've been talking about Watson Health for years and have a lot of opinions on it, but it has never made sense for me to share them until now. But before we dive in, let's, let's go back to 2015. In that year, you had five badass healthcare data and analytics companies, Truven, Fitel, Explorus, Curum, and Merge. What happened to all of those solutions those organizations provided? They still exist, and they are some of the most widely used data sets and applications in healthcare. Combined, they represent over a thousand individual products, defined by anything that you can individually line item in a contract or invoice. Over the back half of the last decade, that was what frustrated me the most. I almost wanted to Go to college campuses with t-shirts and placards that say, free Truven. So when this split finally happened, I was thrilled. And I think it's a great move by Francisco Partners, the, the investment firm that made it happen. If you've been reading articles over the years or are Googling them now, they read, it didn't work in the business of Watson Health and its thousands of products gets conflated with one product, Watson for Oncology. And that product was like Watergate for Stat News. They knew if they had a critical headline on Watson for Oncology each week, they were getting clicks. Did anyone from Truven, Fitel, Explorus, Curum, or Merge launch Watson for Oncology? Nope. Did any of the Watson for Oncology leaders move over to Meredith? Nope. To be even more specific, Meredith's senior leadership is largely new. Another reason why I'm incredibly excited for the future. 
One piece of context before we get into the dirt. This has nothing to do with any one individual. Enough time has passed where you look where many of the past leadership is now, and they're largely successful. They were also largely successful prior to Watson Health. And any modern talent manager knows that the question isn't, is this person talented? But rather, what other person's talents? Do they fit the needs of the organization? Are they in the right role? There were a fleet of highly talented people at Watson Health. And those who know them know their holistic career trajectory, and it's quite positive. Okay, so in 2016, you have these five leading healthcare data and analytics companies. You have the backing of a multi-billion dollar global conglomerate with IBM. A team of proven, highly decorated leaders come in. So what happened? Those that consume my content and have good memories will see a lot of repeat points here. IBM isn't the first to set those cornerstones, thinking that they are granite, and then realizing it's sand underneath. First, you have to understand the role of EBITDA in a blue chip company. Second, you need to understand growth rates in healthcare. Third, you need to understand the use of moonshots. And fourth is around leadership, not the individuals, but the collective profile of leadership for an organization. Let's talk about those. And what does this all have to do with transformation? Watson is IBM's transformation agenda. Yes, it goes to market as a variety of solutions, but behind that is IBM's transformation strategy. Remember, IBM has been around since the 1880s. You might recall them under the name Computing Tabulating Recording Company, or CTR. No, you didn't. I didn't either. <laughs> I just pulled it from Wikipedia. Uh, but it's been around for 150 years, and as a company of that age, it has gone through a number of successful transformations. People of this generation normally spotlight the transformation from mainframes to consulting back in the 80s and 90s. And AI, under the Watson moniker, was and is one of its current transformation strategies. So back to this list. Let's start with EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, and amortization. Said differently in organization's profitability. Why is this important? IBM is a large, mature, blue-chip company. If a fund manager has a stock in its portfolio, the role is for stability and reliability. EBITDA plays a major role in valuating a large-cap stock. Let's compare that to the most famous and lauded startup of our generation, Amazon. Do you know how many years Amazon existed before it turned its first profit? 14 years. Okay. Park that point in your brain for a moment, and let's go to the second point, which is growth rates in healthcare. The mantra, do no harm, is often attributed to the Hippocratic Oath physicians take, but it matriculates into all aspects of the healthcare industry, and it's often a clashing point in the business of healthcare. Any average business executive knows the importance of taking risk in growing a business. However, in healthcare, clinicians are in constant pursuit of zero risk. I'm not here to debate either side of this right now, but it's a major contributor to slower adoption in almost everything in healthcare. Years ago, I had the opportunity to work with an organization that had the patent and rights to e-ink. This is the technology behind the classic Kindle Reader. We found hundreds of opportunities to deploy that technology in a variety of industries that would yield a two to three year ROI. We found many opportunities in healthcare too, but the ROIs were five plus years. This was a different multi-billion dollar conglomerate, 
But when I'm getting EBITDA pressure and I can deploy an innovation into other areas with faster ROIs, healthcare just isn't going to get the love. If you want to geek out more in this space, dig up my old articles on healthcare invaders and why so few non-healthcare companies that we admire are rarely successful in entering healthcare. So park that thought too. We have EBITDA and we have healthcare growth rates. Third topic, the use of moonshots. For those not familiar with this business jargon, this is about setting an ambitious goal to inspire people, a la JFK speech, you know. We choose to go to the moon, we choose to go to the moon in this decade, not because they're easy, but because they're hard, yada, 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 right? So organizations of all shapes and sizes often do this to motivate employees, investors, and customers. More right-sized moonshots are often simply called your purpose. So if this is often a good thing, why is it bad for Watson Health? In terms of its intentionality, nothing was wrong with it. And when you look at IBM's transformation agenda with Watson, how cool would it be if the same AI technology that keeps elevators maintained and makes playlists could be used to cure cancer? And this is where the point overlaps with preceding points. In healthcare, when you make a clinical claim, it needs to go through a clinical review process. Normally, this is around a specific clinical application and the process is very formal. Uh, I have a foot powder that treats fungus. I share my research with peers and they critique it to make sure it's true and valid. And it communicates to the medical community that the research was well done and it should be accepted. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> the reality is the peer review process will shred your research and belittle it and question why you ever got into medicine. It sucks. I'd never want to be a clinical researcher for that point alone. But when you emerge on the other side, the healthcare community will see your work as reliable and that it adheres to do no harm, the topic I touched on earlier. You don't have this dynamic in other industries. This also happens in other ways. You don't need to submit a clinical white paper for it to trigger a response from the healthcare community. So let's say hypothetically this guy from the Weather Channel comes over and tells the healthcare community that the same technology that can defeat Ken Jennings on Jeopardy will treat cancer. You just unleashed a battalion of clinical oncologists and medical journalists to critique every little piece of your efforts. And I'll take stat news for a thousand, Alex. So let's recap the three points right now. A startup-like company will be assembled and relaunched as a division of one of the world's largest companies, but instead of a steady stream of investment capital, like most startups, it will have immediate and quarterly EBITDA expectations. It will be one of many industry-aligned Watson businesses and will want the same rate of return in healthcare as we're seeing being delivered in, say, financial services, manufacturing, and media. Not only do we want EBITDA, we want it as fast as possible because historically we've never had a large portion of our business come from healthcare and don't appreciate the dynamics that come with it. Oh, and we're going to make some big claims about the impact we're going to have in healthcare because it makes investors, employees feel warm and fuzzy. And that's going to trigger everyone in the medical community to call bullshit and critique all of our moves. Now let's go find some leaders to run this business as we tie one arm behind their back, set the bar too high and have a crowd throwing tomatoes at them from the cheap seats. 
So let's talk about leadership. And again, this has nothing to do with individuals. It's more about a lesson on how to think about leadership skills and aligning the right skills for the right job. Remember, best leadership comes from a group of people. It's not a single person. And let's be fair, hindsight's twenty twenty, And what I just riffed on were complete blind spots to me during the time. And if someone offered me a job of VP of whatever at Watson Health in 2017, you bet I would have taken it, and I bet you would have taken it too. <laughs> Similar to the other points I've made these before, there's actually a lot of parallels here that existed at Haven Health, which was an episode I did uh, last year. So the first thing is pairing leadership skills with the need. There were high growth expectations on Watson Health. Terms like startup were used routinely. So where do they pull from? Well, legacy IBMers, Philips, Baxter, GE, all of those correlate to experience in working in large enterprises, doing capital equipment deals, and are technology related. However, those aren't companies that come to mind when I say startup and high growth. We see these skin knees a lot, Haven Health having the same dynamic. And in both examples, their leaders before and after and still are highly successful in the right environment. The second is there lacked a cultural center of gravity. I feel I have to pay Peter Ducker a dollar every time I say culture eats strategy for breakfast. But it's true, the culture of Watson Health in 2016, 2017, and 2018 was, was just beyond toxic. And here comes a broken record again. I worked with many people before they worked there and worked there since. There are countless great leaders who I consider friends and are fantastic leaders with great team cultures in their new world. But here's my observation and opinion on what happened. You folded in five great companies and those leaders, mostly CEOs, moved on for a variety of good and logical reasons. You mixed in some legacy IBMers into the pre-existing non-IBM cultures and brought in some new external leaders that had no ties to IBM nor the acquired companies. And the kicker variable that nobody ever asked is who owns culture? Is it owned at the overall IBM level or at the Watson Health level? I'm a firm believer that leadership can and should come in all shapes and sizes. There are many good places, times, and situations for more passive introverted leaders. A startup isn't one of them. Startups by definition are more about where they are going than where they're at now. And so much of that is dictated by the inspiration and confidence portrayed by the founder, CEO, or in this case, the GM. The GM in this case needs to spar with the enterprise and protect their portion of the enterprise from some of the messier executive stuff that can emerge. The Watson Health Game Board had many misplaced pieces before much of that internal leadership arrived, along with unrealistic expectations. So the byproduct of all of this is dozens of cultural fiefdoms, particularly when there were VPs and SVPs trying to be those types of leaders and create a culture that filled that void. Unfortunately, it wasn't centralized and cohesive. So phrases such as, well, he or she's not my boss, would routinely be mentioned in hallways, which was worse when it was following a cross-functional meeting where everyone politely smiled in front of each other and supposedly aligned on next steps. People would align to legacy leadership of the acquired businesses, or if they were legacy IBMers, they might feel that they were aligned with the true owners and operators of the business. 
but ultimately people picked and chose their own fiefdoms and nothing was done to quell it. So we had misaligned leadership skills, lack of overall leadership oversight on shaping a strategically aligned culture. And the last point I'd make on leadership gaps would be on vulnerability. And if you take anything from this episode on transformation, it is leadership vulnerability or the converse of that, which is fear, insecurity, and aggression. I paint those two ends of the spectrum as I don't want people thinking that vulnerability is about walking around touting how you don't have the answers to anything. If you're a leader, you still need to be direct, make choices, and portray confidence. It's when you cross that overconfidence line is when you get into trouble. And I've been guilty of this a few times in my career and well aware of that I'm living in a glass house. But when you get into startups and or the transformation space, you and your leadership team will be out over their skis by design. It is unfair for anyone to predict the future with accuracy. So as you move along your transformation agenda, you will find that some bets you placed aren't paying off and might need to undo some of the choices that you made. That's fine. It's normal. Sometimes it makes sense to admit you're wrong. Sometimes it's less about being wrong and more about what you learned. But the worst thing you can do is leave everything in sixth gear with a pedal down as you see a sharp turn ahead. And this contributed to some of the dynamics of Watson Health. Leaders rarely showed vulnerability with one another, rarely said no, and more often dug in and said the equivalent of try harder, do more. It's like, have you ever been in a foreign country with someone who doesn't speak the native language and they find themselves getting angry and then subsequently speaking louder and more slowly? If they don't speak English, chances are they don't speak loud, slow English either. And that's the dynamic when leaders of transformations don't let themselves be vulnerable. It's okay to not always have all of the answers or learn things and make changes as you go. But don't dig in and try to will something to happen by saying it louder and being more demanding. So if you're a large multi-billion dollar cross-industry conglomerate embarking on a transformation that involves healthcare, remember, modern successful startups today run at a loss for multiple years, investing in long-term sustainable innovation and building a solid customer base. Don't expect short-term EBITDA. Recognize that the rate of return of investment in healthcare comes slower than other industries. So before you make that warm and fuzzy promise about healing people, know that innovation that heals people takes longer than automating robots in a manufacturing facility. On the topic of promises, remember that as soon as you make one in healthcare, you will be challenged. Was IBM wrong about the future possibilities of AI in healthcare? No, it was more than right. AI in healthcare is in abundance today. Adoption in the space began with clear, tangible applications of it. But when you make broad, sweeping, grandiose promises, that's when you're asking for a challenge from the peer-review-driven culture of healthcare. Most importantly, leaders of transformation efforts must actively engage with customers, investors, and employees around where the organization is, where it's going, what is needed, and constantly be adapting. This includes shaping a cohesive culture to support it and recognizing that transformations come with uncertainty. You don't have to have all the answers on day one and showing that leadership is learning and adapting 
e.g. being vulnerable, is a good thing. As it relates to Meredith and its current leadership, I don't know much about Jerry McCarthy and his immediate team. The preceding batch of observations is largely based on scenarios that came to a head prior to the pandemic and, and likely before discussions with Francisco partners even started. Based on their profiles, they address many of the gaps that, in my opinion, held the organization back in prior years. Moreover, I'm loving the promise of being hyper-focused on a finite set of solutions that are proven and have a great product market fit. Many of them built on legacy organizations of Truven, Vital, Explorus, Curum, and, and Merge that had and still have some of the best solutions in the industry. It's great to see that unleashed in the market in a way that is healthy, sustainable, and delivers the impact we all want to see in healthcare. It's a great time to be at Meredith and a great move by Francisco Partners. Thank you for listening to Microdosing. If you'd like more content like this, go to our website at md-pod.com. And that will triage you to all the common podcast platforms and social media pages to follow us. Until next time, cheers. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.